We've done it. We're at the Huntington Meridian, folks. It's just a big black line of longitude. Just got to step right on over it. It's all you got to do. I'll be here to help you. The Huntington Meridian, baby. Whatever you do. That's right, Huntington Meridian. <laughs> doing good doing good i'm keeping up with you these days i've uh i'm caught up with your blog posts and um and your telegram oh excellent yeah it's good there's really a lot of good material there good i'm happy sharing. yes the uh i just watched the clip the cult of the medics oh yeah that, that guy's good david he's interviewed all over the place too He's great. Uh, I used to follow him. I, I have I since he came out with that uh, documentary. I haven't been following him, but I like him. I've always liked him. He's in Victoria. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, somewhere in the West Coast, and yeah, he's really uh, he's putting out good material. I like David. So how was your uh, how was your travels? Uh, they're getting kind of they're getting they're getting a lot. It's a lot of traveling. <laughs> I bet. Too, too too many. I bet. So. So yeah, after saw, this, yeah. I saw a recent note. I think you're in Newfoundland for Christmas. No, I'm in um, I'm in uh, uh, Cornwall, Ontario, for oh, Christmas. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, and then okay. I have to go to Mexico, and then as you know, I have to, you know, I have my own event. I'm speaking at another event, and then the Washington event is brewing in the background there. Well, this must be old hat for you at this point. It is. It's getting um, busy, but yes, you, I mean, as you do all these talks and public presentations, and you you know, you get your foot put to the your feet put to the fire. Uh, it becomes easier over time. Yeah, uh, that Romanian Parliament, the actual building itself, is like extremely impressive, huh? Oh, it was massive. It was. Three, three thousand, thirty-one hundred rooms, thirty-five hundred rooms. They only use one quarter of the building, and it costs a million euros to heat to just a quarter of the building a month. Holy, holy cow! Yeah, somebody said that. I don't know if it was it was a a king or an emperor that built it in the first place, but there's a room that's like three quarters gold or something like that. There's, there's so, I mean, there is some gold. There's, there's like 200 million tons of wood or 800 million tons of marble. It's, and it's, I think it's seven floors or eight floors high and another eight or nine floors into the ground. It's like 18 wow. floors. It's, it's absolutely insane how big what, it is. So do you, do you have an explanation why they seem to be so awake and, and leading? Really, on their awareness? Well, that was the guy who built it was a communist, and he he raped the people financially and was tyrannical with them to build that, and then he um, they killed him. He got in the palace and they killed him. That was only in 1989, okay. so they have a very short, recent memory of what it can be like if you allow losers and defect mental defectives to control your way in life. So even the police are aware that, I mean, during the, the period where they killed the president, 
and as killed them on the front lawn of that building, I think. Um, basically, there was like 2,000 Romanians killed and many hundreds of police officers. So the police officers, are very, they have this, the memory as well as saying, you know what, we don't, we, if shit goes down, we could die here. So everybody okay. sort of leans toward not getting ruled tyrannically. And there was okay. only uh, 40% vaccine uptake. And then they found out that 20% of the 40 actually had fake certificates. So it was only 20% of the population oh. who actually took the shot. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's very impressive. Yeah, they, they don't put up with, and you know, they're, they're from a gene line that's super aggressive. You know, mm. they're, they're larger humans. Uh, they, they, they're not the people you want to push into a corner because you're okay. probably going to lose is, you know, especially, <laughs> especially weaker folks like Klaus Schwab and, and, the, and the, these people know that, Hey, some people might have to die to regain her freedom. They remember that. And that's a good memory because people in North America cer certainly do not remember what is needed to keep right. mental defectives out of the out of the offices of power which is usually a bit of bloodshed i clicked through you shared a list i think it was 12 videos yeah i, I just browsed and clicked through a couple but my favorites were the woman who was ukrainian and a former uh pharma exec you know yeah. what i mean was Maybe it karen Katarina? kingston I think. oh you mean Lada's. Ladapoyov, I think her name was. Yes, yes. Ladapoyov. She was outstanding. She was outstanding from her perspective. And uh, Dr. Mackis as well. Yeah, he's Czech. And he, Czech communist country fleet. He, he fled um, Czech communism. I like the language he used. He said something like, the reckoning is coming. He's, like, he knows how dark it is. Mm -hmm. But he also knows, like, we're going we're gonna to see some infighting amongst these people. And then we're, there's going to be a reckoning. Like he knows that's coming. Oh, the yeah. Guys, the bad guys are going to be exposed very soon. It swings the other way. And when it, th that's going to be a wrecking ball when it goes, it's going back the other way now. Like the, oh, the Romanian president is under investigation for fraud regarding, I think it was like $6 billion in unused vaccines. And of course, the Italian. Minister of Health, former during COVID, is is actually charged with murder right now for his uh, ignoring. Uh, there's documentation that he was given the statistics that the vaccine was killing and crippling, and he he has a documented order to keep it going. So he's actually got he just got charged with murder. <laughs> this is going to wow. be interesting. Wow. Yeah. I think I think that kind of thing is going to have teeth now. I mean, it's been in the air this whole Nuremberg trial idea, but I think it's got teeth now. The evidence is just like my my Twitter. I, you just scroll through it; just evidence, evidence, expert evidence speaking out. It's it's really encouraging that we're turning a corner. I think. Well, they're. I mean, they have the other tricks up their sleeve. You know, shut off the heat. They're like, who cares if you know if you got no food? Or who cares if you don't have electricity? What are you gonna do? Or don't have a gun? Right. Right. Yeah. So these guys, uh, they're they're smart to know the trends. Like the trend is, most people are getting paid to do jobs that kill each other, 
And eventually they're going to stop the money flow to those people. Those people have no skills. Like the cops have no skills to, and even in a free market society, no one wants to hire a government cop for anything because they don't have any skills at doing anything moral. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. yep. so, and teachers, what, you know, what are the teachers going to trans uh, transition over to do in a free market society? They're obviously obedient order followers. No one in, in a free market economy wants anybody to teach their kid how to be uh, transsexual. So, mm -hmm. the, so, so what I'm trying to say is that the whole <laughs> occupation market has been rigged in a way where when they shut the money down and they will, no yeah. one really knows how to survive and no one knows how to offer skill or, or help to other people. So mm -hmm. th this day of reckoning is going to be tough. Uh, you know, that's why I'm in Latvia, you know, sort of working hard to feather my bed on this farm with all this storable food. Um, because that's oh, great. I didn't I'm, know you. I didn't. You're making a base there. I didn't know that. I thought yeah, you were heading for Mexico. Ultimately. Yeah, I have a base in Mexico and, and then a base in Latvia as well. Okay, yeah. excellent. That's really good. Yeah, and the base in Latvia has the wood stove and the, you know, the, the stored, the, the garden, the, you know, things like that. That's probably one of my greatest compliments for where I am in Montana. Um, they're just naturally off grid. They're like family farm culture. So right. they have, they, they know how to do all their own thing. Wells and everything, yeah. uh, crops and cattle and everything. Yeah. And, you and, can see, and do it themselves, everything. Yeah. You got to do in the shops and welding and you name it, hunting, yeah. you name it. Yeah. Right. They can yeah. do it themselves. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. Is Dr. Um, yes. He's yes. here now. Dr. Michael. Yes. There he is. Hi, good morning, gentlemen. Oh, like hey, Turner? good. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing doing swell. Life's <laughs> good. Get a chance to introduce you two. This is Jason Kristoff. Um, but I'll get you both to introduce yourselves. That's usually how we start. Uh, we'll start with Dr. Turner. Sure. Um, I was catching up with a couple of your uh, Substack posts recently, and so okay. I'm up to date. But we need to bring everybody else up today. <laughs> um, sure, no problem. Yeah, if you don't mind, one thing I didn't realize that you were, I think, this is one of your great strengths, you were pretty fresh out of uh, med school when all this happened. So it's like you weren't in the cult per se, you know, they didn't have as many teeth into you in terms of influence and you're fresh thinking and fresh on your feet to see all this happen. That, that's, that was my take. But if you don't mind, I mean, the first thing I read of yours was your, I think it was a blog post that you turned into a, a PDF uh, mm -hmm. document, basically yeah. your journey of your own red pilling journey, essentially in your profession. If we could start there, then okay. I have a couple of follow-ons. Oh, we'll stick to one hour, by the way, for both of you. We'll do 10 minutes intro each, and then probably 20 to 30 minutes collaborative dialogue and go from there. Okay, sure. Lovely. Is this okay. just us? chatting off record right now or is this the actual podcast no no this is recorded um okay. and so my experience with i never know what we're going to get live audience is invited and we've had yeah. a few rsvps 
but people just do that the last minute. So I don't know for sure what kind of yeah. audience we're going to get. So I just plan for the recording and go Perfect. from there. Okay. Yes. Okay. Sure. Well, great. Uh, so you want me to answer that question then? Don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah. Then you'll get to know Jason's whole story and his, his journey as well. Okay. Sure. Well, the, the document I wrote is called Losing My Vaccine Religion, A Doctor's Journey from Hope to Despair. And it was encapsulating my journey as regards the vaccine. When it came out, I was cautiously optimistic. I figured a lot of intelligent people have spent a lot of time and energy on this thing. We had President Trump getting involved. We had Operation Warp Speed. You know, I'm sure tens of millions of dollars were spent on this. And if it has the possibility of helping patients and helping us get out of this dark night of COVID, then I'm all for it. So, of course, there was some preliminary data that looked promising. Um, I went ahead and got the vaccine myself, the Pfizer, I, not because I had to, but because I wanted to. I was figuring I don't need to be getting COVID, missing time from work, especially being in business for myself, right? If I'm not working, I'm not uh, making money. And then as well as I didn't want to be passing it to patients. So I volunteered, got my two Pfizers. Nothing too much happened. I did feel soreness in my arm, kind of a bit of fatigue, felt like probably I shouldn't work out, you know, for a while. Um, but that was it. So I was, you know, moving along, taking care of patients. And at first, I didn't see any contradiction between aggressive early treatment, such as with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and different kinds of vitamins and supplements, and getting the vaccine. They were both reasonable options to help patients in my mind. So I was actually on both sides of this fence, but some people found kind of odd, right? I was very strongly okay. ivermectin, vitamin D, vitamin That's C. That's interesting. Yeah, all okay. of that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so you couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't call you an anti-vaxxer. No, no, definitely not. I, mean, <laughs> I, uh, I had had all my vaccines growing up, you know, uh, typical kid and also a whole bunch more when you go through medical school, as you can imagine. Right. So any yeah. vax would be entirely inappropriate way to think about <laughs> to characterize me. Um, right. And, you know, uh, there was some initial talk about the vaccine that in my mind seemed very far out. It seemed uh very conspiratorial and just far out, you know, the initial opposition to the vaccine. I'm like, well, I can't get on board with that. You know, I'm a medical professional. I need to have medical reasons, not Bill Gates reasons. Right. Okay. Yep. So, yep. so I, 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 with, you know, withheld my, my, my judgment and kind of moved forward, but my mind started to get opened when people started sending credible medical sources my way for consideration, Dr. Malone being the chief among them. So it was actually a patient of mine who was a chiropractor. And he said, Dr. Turner, uh, I'm kind of concerned about this vaccine on the medical side. You know, the guy who was the inventor of the mRNA vaccine technology has come out strongly against it. Dr. Malone, have you heard of him? No, I never heard of him. All right. Well, he sent me a YouTube beat or something like that. So that was the beginning of the thought process. <laughs> and then it segued towards right. like, doc, you know, Dr. Cole and others. So, uh, you know, I think the first major light bulb that went on for me, and I'll just wrap up the story kind of briefly, but the first major real plot twist here was the finding that the spike protein is toxic. It's toxic to your vascular system. It's toxic to your nervous system. It promotes a strong reaction by your body wherever it's found, the COVID spike protein. And then my question was, well, is the vaccine spike protein the same or even similar enough to the COVID spike protein? Because we know the COVID spike protein is plenty nasty at this point. So what's with the vaccine spike protein? Please tell me it's different. Fact. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> okay. Oh. And in fact, when you're exposed to the vaccine, you get more spike protein because of the way it's engineered and the distribution in the body, et cetera. So that, that was like, oh my 
gosh, seriously? So we're injecting this thing that we know is toxic to your brain, your heart, your vascular system, your testicles, your thyroid. I mean, you name it. This thing is toxic to it. And we're putting this in everybody's body now because, well, maybe you get some antibody response. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, you have to we had to destroy the village in order to save it, which was kind of a phrase from the Vietnam War, you know, for American infantry. It's like, right. Yeah. um, Let's not do that. You know, what's the real cost benefit ratio and the risk, et cetera. So that domino started falling at that point. And I wrote that all up in my my PDF document that you read there. And I tried to make it persuasive um, and and fair and considerate. You know, the kind of thing that you could give to your relative who might still be strongly pro-vaccine. That was my hope. Well, I think I was telling you by email, it was it was very persuasive because because you went on that journey. You took people along that journey. You didn't start with a position. You were just right. open-minded and processing, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you don't mind, uh, I, I actually didn't see you speak about this, but what happened to the Hippocratic Oath during the last four to six years. I, I, I saw there was a, that topic was covered in one of your talks, but I have, I didn't see your answer for that. Uh, yeah, well, it's taken a bit of a beating. Um, I think in broad terms, the reason it's taken a beating is because we've deferred from the patient as our sole focus to accepting that we're a tool of larger establishment forces. As, as doctors, if I'm to put myself in, in the place of being culpable amongst my profession, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the Hippocratic Oath is about your responsibility to that patient to first do no harm, and it goes on from there, and it's, it's very well written. Um, but mm-hmm. now we have come to a point where, and this is the crisis of conscience, every doctor has to make this decision, right? Like, are you going to act in the patient's best interest as best as you can ferret that out as your professional responsibility, or are you essentially a tool of the establishment and what they say vis-a-vis larger interests of public health and government and such like that. And sometimes those two currents come at odds with each other and where do you stand on that, right? Um, And unfortunately, a lot of doctors being part of larger systems now, they're sucked up into that. And I don't necessarily fault them heavily. You know, I don't think like no doctors I know are in a rush to abandon the Hippocratic Oath, let's just say, and, you know, start being mm-hmm. terrible to patients and start being unethical. That's not how they're thinking. But they are sucked up in this larger system now where it's forced a bit of a crisis in their minds. If, and they either run away from that or have to break out of the system. So it's more of a system right. problem, I would say. You know, you don't have as many independent docs and such. So It takes, I mean, this is what you've lived, but it takes a lot of, I mean, to be able to stand out and speak out from your own perspective and your own opinion, not check with your peers. You know what I mean? Like that takes a lot of resolve and it's risk, especially when you're just starting out. There's a, there's a risk there. And a lot of the medics aren't comfortable with that. I think, I mean, I think some of that's happening. Um, so do you mind if you, I will just keep it. It's a, it's a touching story. Like I almost emotional story, but your story about your friend, Angela, yeah, and your lawsuit. I I don't know if those two things are connected. Your lawsuit with the regulatory. If you could just give us a little bit update on those two points. Yeah. Well, the story of my friend Angela is, yeah, it, it's very emotional. It hits hard. I I have a voicemail that she left me from the hospital, begging for my help, 
and she subsequently died. And I can't erase that thing from my phone. It's still on there. It's been like two or three years. But, you know, she was a family friend. Um, she fell ill with COVID and reached out to me for some early treatment. Now, what should have happened is I should have been able to tell the pharmacy that was literally a mile down the road to get the ivermectin. She could have gotten it and she would have been better in days. Mm -hmm. And why do I say that so assuredly? Because of what happened. What, what happened was that pharmacy was refusing to fill ivermectin prescriptions because they were holier than thou and sanctimonious, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we had to send it to one of my pharmacies that's a mail order pharmacy in Washington state that was sympathetic. Well, in, in the time it took for the mail order pharmacy to process this thing and send it back, it got lost in the mail. Mm. Got lost in the mail. Uh, and so then I had to reorder. And in all that time, she was deteriorating. We had given her some veterinary ivermectin paste before it was, uh, there was a run on it at the local supply. Before it ran out, we actually were enabled her to get some paste. And she bounced back and she was doing really, really well. So she was just waiting for her official ivermectin to come. Meanwhile, yep. she, she, she basically I came off of her sick bed and was like making tacos and texting me and saying, this ivermectin is amazing. And thank you for all these vitamins. I'm just waiting <laughs> for my stuff to show up. I'm like, great. She's like, my, my horse stuff just ran out. I'm like, well, your other stuff is coming. Don't worry. So right. she's up and sending me pictures of her making tacos. Well, it gets lost in the mail. Her ivermectin runs out. She decompensates. I go on vacation. Her family panics a little bit um, and ends up sending her to the ER. And then the ivermectin shows up, but now they can't get it to her because she's behind the walls of the hospital, essentially. And so I talked to her in the ER and she's still able to converse, but she's like, well, you know, my breathing wasn't so great, but I'm, I'll probably get out of here real soon. And I know my son's got the ivermectin at home, so we'll just, we'll just get right back on it. So let me just, I'll just, you know, see you all soon. And I'm like, all right, well, get out of there ASAP because your son doesn't have the gumption to get smuggle that into the hospital. So let's get you back out. All right. Well, right. she never did. She got remdesivir a day or two later. Then I got the phone call on my and voicemail. You, I, I, I don't know if she just knew or maybe you advised against like, just don't let them do the remdesivir thing. And, and they somehow got a family member to authorize it or something. Correct. She had told them she didn't want that. She had told them she did not want that under any circumstances because she was pretty informed. She was sort of a conservative type person in this realm that we're talking about. So she told them under no mm -hmm. circumstances, but she she had decompensated to a point where I guess she wasn't cognizant, wasn't making decisions, you know, uh, in her, I think, getting close to being intubated or something like that. And so yep. the son, uh, you know, said, well, do everything you can. And so the remdesivir and she died of kidney failure, which I pin firmly on remdesivir. COVID doesn't cause kidney failure. Remdesivir does. Um, and after and, and meanwhile, the, the, the son has the possession of the ivermectin the whole time. You know, oh, it's man. just the tr most tragic story and situation. And after that, in the wake of her death, I, I wasn't part of this discussion, but apparently the son told like her sister, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. You know, we made the wrong decisions. I wish we hadn't panicked and taken her to the hospital that day and just waited for the ivermectin to show up, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Dr. Mc Dr. McCullough said many teaching points in this, in this case. There were, sure. there yeah. were, many yeah. Levels. Um, so was your lawsuit with regulatory related to the to the squabble you got into the pharmacy on that case or no, no, a bit unrelated. So I've got two legal actions going with Washington State. So one is their investigation of me. So they published a COVID misinformation statement, which basically said 
we're going to aggressively prosecute healthcare providers who traffic in COVID misinformation. And amongst COVID misinformation was the use of ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine as a viable treatment option. If you were to even advocate for it, much less prescribe it, that would be a violation of this misinformation statement. And they said that, by the way, their justification was these are not FDA approved to treat COVID. Okay, Therefore, um, we're going to aggressively prosecute them as medical malpractice and COVID misinformation. So, and then they, and then in uh, the, after that was done, the local newspaper and the local TV station did a hit piece about me because it wasn't too hard to find that a local doc was prescribing ivermectin. So next thing you know, I'm on the evening news, um, which they didn't give me a chance to actually be interviewed. It was a whole interesting story. But anyway, it was a one-sided piece on the evening news that said, there's a local doctor doing this and he's in violation of the COVID misinformation statement. And by the way, if you want to basically report him, here's the number for Washington State. And this, this circulated wow. on Facebook and in the, the wow. news channels. Yes. They're encouraging the population to report you. Okay. They were. They were. Yeah. And so reports that's, started flooding that's in. That's to- communism right there. But anyway, go on. It's not like somebody was harmed. It's They're trying to encourage the population to rat you out, basically. True. Yes. For thinking for uh, yourself. Yeah. Correct. So... So then these reports started to come into Washington State against me. One of them, for example, filed by the granddaughter of the patient in a, di- not, in a different state. The granddaughter actually lived in Oregon. And so the complaint was, hey, there's this quack doctor essentially who's giving my grandma ivermectin. I, I know that that is wrong. And I see that it violates this misinformation statement. You know, go get him. Essentially was the nature of the complaint. And there are several others similar to that. So, and so these, these complaints racked up. And so Washington State said, you know, you're under investigation. Send us all your documents, et cetera, et cetera. And then they're going to adjudicate that in the spring, in March. So it's still rolling along right now. But what's interesting mm-hmm. about that, again, kind of towards the idea of our government structure is they're the prosecutors, but they're also the judge. Uh, and they're also the jury in terms of the sentencing. So they're, they're all three of those parties. All, all I do is get to show up and try to like defend myself. Uh, but, you know, it's yeah. a bit of a kangaroo court and a foregone conclusion. Like, they're not going to sink their tentacles and spend nine months to not come away with some piece of flesh from Dr. Turner. Uh, but wow. we're fighting that as best we can. Um, what, last interesting piece on that is, you know, no patient was ever complained and no patient was harmed by any of the ivermectin that I did. None of the complaints came from a patient or even a patient's close family member. Nobody said the doctor acted unprofessionally or the ivermectin harmed my spouse or it didn't work or anything. It was none of that. It was these relatives um, or sometimes other doctors. So for example, if my patient went to the ER and they noted the, all the meds, they're like, well, where'd the ivermectin come from? Oh, Dr. Turner. Well, I know that that's a professional violation of the code misinformation policy. I'm going to be a good you know, medical citizen and turn this guy in. So that was the entire flavor of all these things. Um, well, the last point is the. By the separate- way, I should I should just yes. clarify. I, I, my understanding that the word misinformation is an it's a new word. It's not it's not that it's non factual. It just means that you're going against the narrative. That's what, and I think they they invented that word to accuse Bobby Kennedy of something. I think disinformation is is non factual, mm-hmm. but misinformation, I believe, I'm getting this okay. right, is against the narrative essentially. But anyway, not sure. <laughs> well, not, good okay. question. Yeah, not not sure of that distinction, but. You know, what's interesting, if you read things on the other side, how they look at it, you'll see mm-hmm. that they, they're they very self-righteous on this idea. And they're they're very sure. They're like, in their minds, there's there are two problems, equal in magnitude and equal in impact, equal in 
the, the deviousness and the need to root them out. One problem is COVID and the other problem is information about COVID. And in their minds, both need to be aggressively attacked, right? So like the misinformation is the virus in a sense. It's, it's a thing that's spreading and it's a thing that needs to be checked aggressively at multiple levels because mm -hmm. it is a public health problem. Just like COVID needs to be attacked at multiple levels as a COVID public health problem. That's how they've set this up in their minds. Um, so it's, it, it, I might as well just be out there, you know, pumping out virus into nursing homes or something with a devil cap on. Uh, right, as, right, right, as right. spreading misinformation because they're equally evil, essentially. Yeah. And the other case, you said you had two losses. So, so, right. So then the other thing was a bit of a counterattack on our side, in which I banded together with several other doctors from Washington who have been under investigation to say, hey, um, basically, this misinformation statement is not a sound legal basis to prosecute us. Okay. It was not adopted with due process. It's not actually a rule. It's a yep. position statement, which there's a legal distinction there. And so they're, they're overreaching by using this position mm -hmm. statement to aggressively go after people. And so we want it to and, be the whole thing to be dismissed on that basis. So, and these are, that's in progress as well. That's, that's in progress under, as well. Yeah. Oh, some okay. preliminary okay. arguments and such. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, last question. Um, you had a recent appearance on the high wire. I, I haven't seen this yet because I follow the high wire, but I just didn't see your appearance yet. Cool. Actually, I, I, it was back in June. It was back in May or June. Um, oh, okay. so if you go back and look there, or I think I've got the episode up on my YouTube. Um, but yeah, I was actually a guest on the high wire. It was really, really cool. Was it because I had met, of your lawsuits or what, what, what was the, how did they, what was yeah, your, so your the, angle the trade, yeah. the, the angle there was, uh, Mickey Willis, who's the producer of Plandemic series. Yep. So I, I flew down to Texas, got interviewed and did, and was in Plandemic three. Oh, okay. Yep. And so. Mickey Willis knows Dell Bigtree. Obviously, they're really mm -hmm. close, and they're both there in Austin, Texas. So after the producers mm -hmm. were done with me and Mickey and Mickey Willis bit in Plandemic, they said they're like, "Dell, you should probably talk to this guy. Uh, you know, he interviews well. You know, et cetera. He's got a good story." And so it was a personal connection. And then Dell's producers okay. reached out, and next thing you know, yeah, oh, did that. I saw the movie, but that was before I knew who you were, so I didn't I didn't remember that you were in there. <laughs> yeah, there's okay, a brief bit. And then there's some sound voiceover stuff that I, they were quoting me. I guess the last two questions on your intro, and I usually ask these questions, is um, what are the biggest barriers you're coming up against in terms of what you're trying to accomplish? And what would you like to see realized in your, in your space in the next two, three years in terms of the work that's driving you? Yeah, mm, good question. I guess, I mean, just going by your website, you're definitely leading, leaning towards integrated medicine. And uh, like, what are the biggest challenges you have with, with leading a practice along those lines? Oh, yeah. Well, I definitely am in integrated medicine 100%, you know, currently. Mm -hmm. I, so I do some traditional medical things like prescribe certain medications and send people for MRIs and cancer screening and all that. But there's emphasis also on lifestyle, nutrition and all the other bit about integrated medicine. Um, I think the, the barrier right now for me is honestly just scaling up my practice and my reach. Uh, I think mm -hmm. this is the time is right for an integrative medicine approach. People love it typically. 
You know, they yeah. they don't want to be on a bunch of medications if they don't have to be. They're looking for alternatives and options. People come to me all the time and say, is there an alternative to being on my statin or is there a natural way to lower my blood pressure, right? Or get my blood sugar down? Do I really have to take all these meds? And so there's no barrier on the patient side other than the barrier of access. You know, they're, they they love it. And especially um, the on the medical freedom side now. So overlay, you know, integrated medicine desire plus medical freedom. So where's that doctor? How can I go find that person who's mm-hmm. not just going to be a party line, you know, COVID person and also does integrated medicine? So uh, it's wide open for me in that sense professionally that I don't feel a barrier other than the mechanisms of ramping up my practice and trying to accommodate people and create a way to educate and inspire them. And Fantastic. Them yeah. I traveled a lot in Washington starting mid 2021. I was seeing my kids at the border up by Blaine and yeah. um, the zeitgeist in Washington's pretty severe. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a big difference between the brainwashing, and if I could, I can say that because we have an expert here. <laughs> the brainwashing in Washington and, and BC, there's not a big difference. Like, uh, I guess in rural, in rural Washington, you probably have more people like the way where I am in the surroundings here in Montana. But yeah. in the big city, like in Seattle, getting into arguments with hotels and things about no, you have to wear a mask to go to your room, and I'm like, well, can I just go through the emergency exit? You know, like mm-hmm. it was just. It's just incredible the level of, and I got dirty looks for driving in my car alone without a mask on. That was happening. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. It was. So anyway, you're up against that. I would say the zeitgeist of of Washington. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I will let me turn it over to Jason and let him give you his. If you could, if you don't mind, Jason, tell us your your background, how you got into this space, but you also have a lot of great recent news as well. So if we could. So Dr. Turner gets to know you. Yeah, I just got back and I I feel really bad, Dr. Turner, for your friend. You said her name was Angela. Angela, yeah. Yeah. So I really, uh, my condolences to her and her family. That's, um, there's many stories like that and they're all equally tragic. So my condolences there. Uh, I just got back from Romania with uh, Dr. Malone, and uh, <clears throat> uh, and I spoke also in um, in Brussels, Belgium, at the EU Parliament. So we spoke at uh, with the International Crisis Summit. Dr. Malone was there. Dr. Mark Trozzi, Dr. Chris Schumacher. Um, and and a, and a wide variety of medical doctors and scientists addressing the Romanian parliament. It was the same group that addressed the European parliament in Brussels regarding all their findings, Ryan Cole as well, and um, okay. giving, you know, giving the update to people that wanted to listen. And there's, a, there's another date coming up as well. But my portion or my contribution in the 50 speaker lineup is basically the cited psychology in regards to behavior modification, brainwashing and mind control. So I've been doing this research for a very long time and I was, I've been invited on many private zoom meetings with medical doctors and scientists around the world to sort of add to the research because they're very good at compiling data about injuries and deaths and excess mortality and heart attacks and side effects. But no one there can really describe 
the mind control and behavior modification mm -hmm. that drew people, you know, running east looking for a sunset or people basically rearranging the furniture on the deck of the Titanic. So that that's my specialty is making brainwashing and behavior modification and mind control easy to understand for larger audiences. And that's what I've been doing mm -hmm. for a long time. I have a international psychological reprogramming institute where I see groups about four times a year to run them through different uh, structures of education. There's medical doctors in the school as well uh, that come in as students, chiropractors, mm -hmm. uh, health professionals, health coaches, and even members of the general public where I show them you know, how these modalities of mind control work and how to mm -hmm. identify them and really how to, you can use if you understand how this works and you understand you, know, you can start controlling your own mind instead of allowing others to control it. And so the first order of business after educating with me is usually people straighten their own lives out. They usually have various addictions that are sort of dulling their shine. Some people are addicted to one thing or another. So they're having more disastrous consequences in their lives. But with my information, people can sort of figure this out, uh, apply the brainwashing to themselves to start, and then mm -hmm. sort of rehabilitate whoever comes down the pipeline after that. But that's basically uh, what I do now as a full-time occupation. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, do you mind explaining, uh, Jason, how like your your fitness business and how you kind of realized the effectiveness wasn't happening because of the self-sabotage yeah i went to train i was a i owned a chain of fitness clubs at one time i sold them because of the COVID attack but i i was a high-end health coach at one time dealing with all all members of the public and i i, I tutored under paul check out of uh, the check institute in vista california so I was charging quite a bit of money to my health clients and something about them, almost everybody to a man, everybody to a woman, they would have a hard time. They couldn't quit their addictions. They would pay me thousands of dollars. No one was losing weight. No one was getting in shape. No one was fixing their injuries. They were just doing the same thing, except they were paying me these large sums of money. So I was sort of embarrassed of this, you know, contractual exchange. I wasn't holding up my end of the bargain. So I phoned the Czech Institute in California and said, have you noticed uh, people don't want to be better? They don't want to quit their addictions. They love their wine. They love things that are killing them, uh, you know, sort of like a death-centric uh, mm -hmm. curse or something. Mm. I said, can you help me out? Because <laughs> although I'm making good money, I don't think this is going to go on too much longer. They said, well, no, there's something called the subconscious mind. They have programming there's psychological mechanisms inside their neurology that makes them afraid to be different than the crowd. And I said, well, why didn't we learn that when we were there? And I said, well, no, it was up in the upper echelons of the certification ladder. And I said, well, could you send me some books? So I started investigating and I was literally using mind control and brainwashing on my clients. They would agree to do certain things back at their own homes. And it was the only thing that worked. So uh, they would literally not eat anything that was bad. I didn't have to put the whip to them. They would show up without me and work out without me and accomplish most of their goals without me. So I said, this is really good. I want to share this with the rest of the world. So I started doing it online, and that's what led me to the uh, 
Psychological Reprogramming Institute. And uh, that's and that's when I started giving sort of talks or lectures or getting invited to talk on these subjects, bringing very interesting presentations and videos to all those presentations so that people could understand how simple this was. But when COVID came on the scene and there was so much propaganda and the nudge units and the behavioral insights team in the UK and all the RCMP in Canada bragging that they're weaponizing propaganda against the public. My phone was ringing off the hook with uh, questions and, and requests to, for presentations. So I think that's how Neil got a hold of me somehow. <laughs> I actually, I was telling somebody yesterday, I discovered you because you were on uh, Reiner Fulmick's uh, program. Yeah. And he's since been arrested, tragically. I, I read the latest update. So he, he writes a letter once a week or so to his audience. But it's incredible what what's happened. I mean, they didn't even have a charge. They just arrested him at the embassy in Mexico. In Mexico. Yeah, and, I know. And they're coming up with charges now, but it's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, yeah, it's Nazi days. I mean, Yeah, they're back in the Nazi times, and you're, you're probably not going to win a lawsuit against Reiners. They're just trying to grind them down. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, one of your blog posts really grabbed me and I shared it. There's a there's an unjected dating network. I shared it in in a telegram group of theirs and I got a lot of good feedback. And that was um, your article about how some women choose the wrong guy over and over again, because that's what they're familiar with right. from their upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's that's the not not that particularly, but the crux of the problem is we we tend to look at what everybody else is doing and, and at, a, at a subconscious level and assume that's the safest thing to do. Yeah, the easiest way to, to table brainwashing and mind control is through the lens of self-sabotage. So I'll always write about self-sabotage. And I'm thinking about 80% of my audience is female, so I'll pick definitely some female topics. But the way, I mean... The way brainwashing works, it will always go after the subconscious mind. It's a safety-based mechanism, and its job is to sort of count repetitive content in the environment to assess what the bigger herd is saying, thinking, or doing. Then outside our conscious awareness, it makes us take on that behavior as our own. And, and a lot of, I mean, some people say 90% of the times we're behaving, we're really mimicking in an attempt to find safety with the bigger herd. So in regards to the females having a hard time breaking away from the programming, um, I always tell stories of the one client I used to have where her dad was never home. And this was very repetitive. It was like every day for the first 18 years of her life, her dad was sort of rarely in the, in the house and that became her normal. And the way the subconscious mind works is that that's where she's going to find safety. That's where she finds the most comfort. And the dangerous thing about that is once you find comfort in something specific, you will find anything other than that very uncomfortable. So she wanted to have a husband. She wanted to have a maid around the house. She would verbally declare that she would not want a situation like she was uh, raised in where the father was like absent from the house a lot. But then there's her programming. She has already paved her neurology with a program that she's very comfortable and normal with the, with the man being absent. So as soon as the man married her and was in the home uh, quite a bit or all the time, 
she would start fights with him and start to self-sabotage the entire relationship in order to get the man out of the house and then she'd feel comfortable and so she had this sort of conflictual uh, uh, tug of war where she really wanted a good relationship different uh, than the one she grew up with but she'd only feel very comfortable when the man was absent from the home so i tell stories like this i've probably written about three thousand articles where i take sort of clinical cases that I've done myself with clients in self-sabotage coaching and then sort of make a lesson out of it for other people to understand their own behavior by. And this lady was famous too for going out and sort of uh, loving other men that weren't her husband because that that man had no threat of ever coming permanently into the home and that's what she was more comfortable with. So you can look at a lot of societal problems today through the lens of what I call self-sabotage, but it's very easy to transfer over to brainwashing and mind control because the people who hack our minds uh, just develop the repetitive content to do the hacking, like six feet, stand apart to stand together, the new normal, uh, safe and effective. The, these are the trigger words. This, these are the brainwashing terms that really got the average person lining up for some very dangerous things over the past four years now. And the re repeating is a big part of it over and over and over, right? Like it just, it, like it becomes a normal to you just by hear the rhythm that you're hearing these and almost whenever they're giving the message, it's like three at a time, essentially that it seems to be. Yeah. And I, when I do my presentations, I'll put up, you know, sort of a stage hypnosis situation where, yeah, he, say a stage hypnotist will hack a person's behavioral pathways with repetitions that are two, two repetitions only. You can hack someone's behavior. You can modify someone's behavior outside their conscious awareness only using two repetitions. And you can you imagine the repetition of the lady who lived in the house with her dad, who was never really there. He's just in and out. We're talking tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of repetition. You only need two reps to change someone's behavior, modify it. And the, even the phrase safe and effective. I mean, people have probably heard that upwards of 100,000 times in their entire life or vaccines don't cause autism. That's another highly repetitive trigger phrase that, you know, just keeps people going on a path without even con being consciously aware of it. So yeah, repetition is about 80% of all brainwashing. That's interesting. All right, I have follow-on questions, but I, I'll, I guess I'll ask Dr. Turner first if you have any clarifying questions for Jason with his work and his recent experience. Wow, uh, I'm extraordinarily intrigued, Jason, especially with your background in terms of health coaching, the clubs and all that. That's a lot of what I do is trying to coach people. They'll come to me and say, I want to lose weight, get to the gym. And I'm very aware of this idea of self-sabotage, but not so facile with really how to be effective about it. So anyway, maybe offline, but I've got to get you to point me to some resources because, man, I'm dealing with this all the time. People want to make their behavior change, but then there's a reason that they're not. And unless they understand what that reason is, they're just spinning. And, you know, I, as a provider, I'm also spinning a bit, which is no fun for anyone. There you go. Um, but, um, yeah, I would wonder, Jason, you know, my question would be, what are the... What are the ways in which you see the brainwashing in terms of COVID 
playing out, let's say most notably, uh, you know, if you had to do exhibit A, B, and C, for example, to me as Joe Public and, 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 and tell me that there's mass amounts of brainwashing and such and programming going on, what would you say? Well, the, I think the I can say in the presentation I did for sure at the yeah. uh, at the Romanian Parliament. But the first huh. clinical piece of research I reviewed was the Ash Conformity Experiment, which is a very simple experiment where there's five <laughs> research subjects, but four are actors, mm. and even the clinician who's running it in the white lab uh, coat, he's also an actor. So basically, it's very simple: is that the clinician would hold up a piece of paper. And there'd be sort of three lines drawn on sort of the right-hand side and one line on the left. And you'd have to match which ones were of equal length. And the four actors were told to give the wrong answer and uh, basically see if the group could sway the real research subject to give the wrong answer based on group pressure. Mm. And it's been shown by people like you know research experts like Edward Bernays that you don't even need the physical group there to bend people to the will of the group. Like you can just have the, it's, it can be an imaginary group. But in the Ash Conformity experiment, yeah, the group of four bent the will of the guy who didn't know what was going on with the wrong answers very quickly, proving mm. that proving that. Um, the pressure of the group can make people ignore reality. So Edward Bernays, he's the author of prop, the, you know, the book Propaganda. He said, you don't even need the physical group there. You can just plox, pop someone in front of a TV. And if you give them enough repetitive messaging and saying, yeah, 55%, 60% have already taken their shot. It could be actually no one took the shot. Mm -hmm. But if you and then if you have them in isolation, there was another psychological research expert called Yust Merlu, who wrote the book Rape of the Mind. He said, if you want to psychologically manipulate people, you want to get them into isolation because they mm -hmm. don't have any counter narrative at that point. So this is why I mean, all this research was and a lot more was weaponized against the public. This is why they sent everybody back for two weeks to flatten the curve inside the house like you Lou also said you want to train animals in isolation just like a dog just mm. like just like a horse get them out of the barn or get them away from the other animals so there's no counter behavior to mimic mm. it'll just be you and the and the instructor that's the best way to train now you Lou studied prisoner of war um you know pow's in Korea to find out all these very dangerous ways to manipulate people. But this is why we were sent home in isolation. Um, so we don't have any counter narratives. And of course, all the media channels were in lockstep. They were all, you know, this is a big weaponization of the financial system as well. Everybody had the same repetitive content and all the social media platforms were made sure to censor the repetitive content is uh, that was a counter counter narrative mm -hmm. so you can see the repetitive content you only need two repetitive imprints to change someone's mind and there was thousands as the person sat at home and all the research was you know the average person sitting at home during a health crisis is going to watch uh, tv 53 percent of the time mm -hmm. trying to get their updates about what's the next move they should make yeah so all these things worked out 
like just making a brainwashing sub at, at, at Mr. Sub or Subway, just layer upon layer. And don't and they've shown that the fear response, of course, the fight or flight, the limbic system, it's a lower IQ part of the brain. So not only was the propagandized fear, you know, the Chinese uh, video clip of a guy smoking and then he falls flat on his face in Wuhan. I don't know if you remember that one. Oh. Elmhurst uh, Hospital where everything was overflowing and they had the, you know, the freezer truck for all the dead bodies. They're burying people out out in the open. And that was on Hard Island. And there's another story about that. But basically, that fear can lower IQ in the system. And that's the, you know, that's the brain function platform that you that where propaganda is the most effective. But if you poison the system, like if someone's drinking booze or smoking weed in Canada, it's proven to have the same neurological effect. Your body's afraid of alcohol. There's changes in the brain function when you're drinking. Caffeine is also very dangerous to elicit a fight or, a fight or flight response. So this is why in Canada, the gyms were closed, but the alcohol shops were open in Canada. The weed shops were open coast to coast. I don't know if you're aware now, but in British Columbia, you actually can buy openly fentanyl, cocaine, and heroin on the streets in British Columbia. That would be anybody could do that. And there's massive ODs. There's a massive attack on the prefrontal cortex and the frontal lobe prior to the COVID operation and heavily during the COVID operation because it's been proven to upregulate compliance uh, with the group pressure and the repetitive messaging. Mm. Crazy, right? I mean, truly, it's, it's, all there on re- <laughs> it's all there in plain sight. Truly, amazing. wow. I, I, what I'm really grounded with your presentation to... Oh, go ahead, Neil. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say what really grabbed me with Jason's presentation originally with uh, Reiner Fulneck was some of the video clips he has are incredible. Like there's one, I don't know if it was in that actual presentation, but there's a group that goes into a movie for two hours and they come out and they get asked, what was the movie about? And they have no idea. They can't remember. It put somehow the film put them into a zone some kind of hypnotic trance it was one tenth switched on young people come out and and, yeah go ahead (laughs) it was one tenth of one frame in the film and the thing about see this is very old technology and and i'll send you the reiner uh fulmich interview michael so that you can so you can watch it but yeah these kids definitely uh when you stare at an object like I'm staring at my camera now, but I'm thinking. So I'm not really going away from beta brainwave state into alpha. Alpha is the brain washing platform. So mm-hmm. when they're watching an entertainment-based movie, the thinking shuts off, the beta brainwave state, and it, it slows down to about half of beta, which is the alpha brainwave state, the same state as stage hypnosis. And mm-hmm. inside the movie, they had the subliminal flash says, forget this movie. And when they came out, they, it doesn't work on everybody. Just like drinking alcohol doesn't put everybody under mind control or caffeine or anything like mm-hmm. that. But they did interview about 20, uh, 20 people uh, when they came out, 20 kids. I'll be honest with you, the kids that were eating the junk food and were drinking alcohol in the theater, this was a theater that served alcohol, they could not remember the movie they just watched. It was unbelievable. 
And there and there was like a car, sort of a magician, but he's obviously. Uh, but that's that that's the key part is Darren Brown is one of the best mind control experts in the world, and this is why people, why the invitations are always, uh, people invite me to talk because it's no medical doctor or scientist is going to put on Darren Brown, and try and talk about what happened to COVID, and they're not going to talk about stage hypnosis, and give concrete examples of stage hypnosis and then take all of that presentation and drop it under over COVID because that's what I, that's what I do. And that's why Reiner in, invited me as well, because he heard that, that it's easy to understand material. But the power of my material isn't just me explaining it. It's these weird videos that I've accumulated over 10 years of research mm. where stage hypnotists use the same technology that the media and government are using against us to make people do things that are so bizarre, it holds the person's attention long enough to get the major message across. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's unbelievable, frightening, stirring, uh, you know, at the same time. I definitely will appreciate to hear from you, Jason. Good to make your acquaintance and uh, have you point me in the direction. I need to read more about this. I need to understand this. I, I want to use it on the positive side, of course, right? Like I'm, 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 you know, a white belt in terms of what you're talking about, but I try to, in a positive sense, get my subconscious mind on track, you know, affirmations. I write things on three by five cards. I try to meditate on things. If I felt like this morning, I found myself waking up worried about a bunch of stuff. And I'm like, no, I refuse to wake up worried about a bunch of stuff right now. Like I'm going to choose how I wake up and what the first thought is I want on my mind. Right. Right. And so, right. So like I realize there's this mental battle that 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 I have to fight, and I'm the importance of it is is hard to understate, really, uh, and especially for my patients. So I want to grow in that way and know some of these tools because, to your point, if the media and such um, and these stage hypnosis techniques, they're just techniques. I mean, in my mind, they could just as easily be used for good, let's say, as evil, right? Like if you could put a tenth of a frame that says "forget this movie," you could put a tenth of a frame that says "tell Stop your smoking. mom you love her today," mm -hmm. you know. Or, or stop smoking today, right? Or, you know, uh, go do something nice for somebody as soon as you get out of the theater. I don't know. You know? That's, that's right. exactly what we teach. And, you know, the, this, this is old technology. And it goes so far back to what you're saying. There's, there's quotes where people are saying it's the heart of the magician. Because there's only one way to mind control someone. Repetition and sort of uh, weakening people a little bit. But if you were just to use repetition in a positive way, the heart of the magician, if they're what they call a white magician, they will influence their people in a positive way. And there have been societies that use this uh, to, the, to the benefit of the public. These stories go back all the way to ancient mm. Egypt and Babylon and Samaria. Supposedly, there, the, there's good, there was a good uh, sect of Egyptian royalty who kicked out a bad sect and said, we're not, you can't keep using this technology, our secret society technology mm. to make people's lives worse and take advantage of them. There was such a division between the two sects that uh, the Egyptian royalty kicked them out in the desert, desert and said, you know, here's some stuff. We're not being cruel, but you can't come back. Mm. Yeah, this is old do you, mind, do you mind, Jason, just what you thought were the highest points from the medical speakers in Romania and Belgium recently, like in terms of the, the trends in the guys that are speaking out, what they see 
the developments. Well, Ryan Cole. I'm mostly thinking about good news, but yeah, go ahead. Well, I think the good news is the people who deliver the bad news in a very effective way. Like Ryan Cole okay. went over all a lot of the issues with the cancers and delivered in a way that you know would really wake people up because we're there to wake people up. We're not there really to give them great news. And then mm-hmm. Denny Rancourt. I mean, basically, Denny Rancourt is as close to a computer in human form as you're going to get. He used to be a former Ottawa University professor. He's a statistical analysis expert, and he's the one who estimated how many people have died from the COVID shot. And he, but mm. he did it over every country in the world. Mm. like every. So he had the, the feed. He had the statistics for the Romanian group. He had the overall statistics. He had the, like, this guy's unbelievable. He was great. There were so many, Dr. Mark Trozzi, Dr. Chris Schumacher, Dr. Merrill Nass talking about the pandemic treaty and the miscarriage. There a lot of Italian doctors there, a lot of European doctors that had very thick accents, but um, they were going over the infertility issue, which is a lot scarier than I've ever researched. I was in shock of what I was listening to. If anybody wants to listen to all these lectures for free, they can go to internationalcovidsummit.com and we're all there on either day one or day two, right on the front page. Mm. I'll so, share all I'll share all of these links on the on the page on the yeah, uh, yeah, the, podcast page. Everybody's there sort of putting their a lot of the doctors have been de-doctored and everybody's there putting their sort of you know, some people are putting their lives on the line. And but we realize it's a fight we have to do. And whether there's casualties or fatalities in in the push, we know that's sometimes what it takes to get get the freedom back and push down the snake. Two of the biggest takeaways we were talking about before Dr. Turner joined us. um, Dr. Macus, he had a rule of thumb. He's he's he's. He's right at the center of the adverse effects and turbo cancers, myocarditis, and other things. Um, his rule of thumb is he's seeing 10% adverse effects. 10% vaccines are causing adverse effects. 1% are causing permanent injury. And 0.1% are causing death. So one that's what he's seeing, one in a thousand. He didn't go into the lot numbers and that analysis. I know that's been done. But um, that's his kind of expectation. I don't hear anybody talking about fertility. That's the first time I've heard that topic in maybe more than a year. And I, I, I heard it very strong early on. I thought that would be a topic. It's, it's amazing to me that it doesn't come up that often, but I, I'm glad I'll find that one. Dr. James Thorpe is sort of leading mm-hmm. the way there, but I would say there was more extensive research uh, data put forward by some of the presenters at the International COVID Summit. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and then the other one is the role of DOD. And that was the woman, uh, we were talking about the Ukrainian woman, Katrina, she used to be a pharma exec. Now she calls herself just a citizen speaking out, but um, she had an incredible quote that she ended her talk on. And it was basically that there's a lawsuit against Pfizer for negligence and fraudulent uh, behavior, basically. And Pfizer sent a note to the judge and said, Justice, please dismiss this case. We did not defraud the public. We delivered on the on the fraud that was ordered by the government. 
That's what, that's what Pfizer said in their own words in a court document. Uh, so I just think this, and, Doc, and uh, Bobby Kennedy is on this as well, the DOD keeps coming up, the role that they're playing, which is absolutely very difficult to comprehend that that's happening. But that evidence is starting to come out more and more, that it's an inside job, essentially. And because the government's the only one that could make a lot of this happen. In terms yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Th this th this sort of thing will come out eventually. It's, it's circulating in the background and just underneath the waterline. We're just going to need someone of higher caliber to to break it. But it's definitely um, moving around the, the people that are interested in the story. And what will eventually break as well is that we're dealing with a very ancient group at the moment. I mean, in the Bible. It says, uh, by pharmacia, all nations will be deceived. And it's it, this isn't a fully biblical um, revelation or biblical prophecy or anything, but you, you don't get the government attacking its own people overnight. There's, uh, there's deeper undercurrents that I've been researching for 25 years that I've written a lot of those 3,000 articles about. And um, I always tell people at this point, welcome to the party. It's time to wake up because these things have been happening um, outside most people's conscious awareness for a very, very long time. And now it's so obvious. They went from hiding it now to pitching it. That's what's going on. You see, they used to hide about it, the United Nations, the one world government. It was a big conspiracy theory, theory Alex Jones and his NWO stuff. And they, the governments would go out of their way to hide it, but now they can't hide it anymore. They're going from hiding to pitching it. That is just a lot better. We're going to have the international umbrella over all matters of life on this planet. And if anybody needs to learn anything about that, they can go see the the work of Meryl Nass. I think her her website on the the who's pandemic treaty and its infiltration into all world governments trying to usurp our democratic processes i think her uh, website is door to freedom neil if you want to look that up door to freedom okay. dr merrill nass and i was okay. thrilled I to be next on. to yeah i was totally thrilled to i took a private one of the members of Romanian Parliament took on a private tour of the 3,500-room uh, uh, palace of the parliament, and Dr. Meryl Nass was there. I was completely thrilled. I was right watching on. her videos 25 years ago about the anthrax vaccines, so I was very happy about right that. Yeah. Well, well, I'll just shift towards wrap-up, but I, one of the most encouraging things Jason and I were talking about just before we got on here was um, Dr. Mackis believes that we're going to see a great reckoning among the, among the culprits, essentially, that, um, that it's becoming transparent. Uh, and there's going to be infighting first. This is what he predicted. There's going to be infighting among them first, and then there's going to be a great reckoning. There's going to be some reconciliation happening. That's what, what that's in a, a projection that I, I was happy to hear. I haven't heard that kind of talk for a while from somebody in, in a position to know <laughs> what he's seeing. Um, so I'll just ask you both, Dr. Turner, if you don't mind, what else you have on your horizon? You had like a series, three-part series with, with a really cracked group of uh, doctors who are, who have been speaking out. If you, 
I don't know if that's going to continue, but anything you want to share for the audience to follow up with you? Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I try to put out good content, you know, on my my Substack, the blogs and interviews. You know, we had Dr. Corey on. We had a series of interviews with him. I think you're referring to that. We had Dr. Malone uh, recently. I was on the Dr. Drew show as a guest recently. So if people go to my Substack, uh, they'll see some of that there. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping that gets out there towards education, inspiration, uh, you know, just right as on. you're talking, just as Jason's talking here. Dr. Malone, by the way, I queried him on exactly that question. What was the role of the Department of Defense? I think he's that highest level knowledge that we're going to be able to get, as Jason alluded yes. to. Yeah, so he spoke to that a little bit. Uh, I think it was in part two of our, our um, discussion. But yeah, they were okay. very much the masterminds behind rolling this thing out. And they basically subcontracted out to Moderna and Pfizer mm -hmm. and some of these other people. Now, I, I, I won't jump to say that they knew that the spike protein was going to have all the devastating medical effects. Okay, I, I won't make that claim because that would impart that the Department of Defense is basically trying to destroy its own citizenry and destroy the world. And that's a couple of leaps mm -hmm. of faith that I'm not willing to say. But mm -hmm. in good faith, they were the ones tasked with, um, you know, being ready to respond to an, uh, an episode of bio warfare, which this clearly was. Mm -hmm. And so when it got unleashed, whether purposely or not, you know, they're like, well, here comes the vaccine that we've been wanting to roll out and ready to roll out anyway. Moderna, Pfizer, so-and-so, you're on tap, bam, here, do this, right? So it was all part of their bioweapons defense program uh, concept. And what's interesting is in the interview with Dr. Malone, he points out that he answered the question, why were we even cooperating with Wuhan Weapons Lab in the first place, right? To me, that was a, a gigantic non sequitur. I mean, I thought China was our enemy. Why are we funding research and sending tech to Wuhan mm -hmm. bioweapons lab. I mean, come on, somebody makes sense out of this for me, right? And <laughs> so, so he does, he explains it actually really well. And he's, he, his explanation through some CIA sources and people that he knows, he goes, hey, look, he goes, here's what happened. The CIA, we lost all of our assets in China. There was a mole within the US government and they, they leaked the information. So the communist China rolled up all the CIA assets, tortured them, killed the kill them, torture the families, whatever. Okay. So the CIA was now without eyes and ears on the ground in China for anything. So fallback plan is they try to establish um, a lot of university and medical uh, and research type relationships back and forth. So the CIA would fund Chinese to come, for example, to Harvard or these other places and do postdocs and PhDs and then go back Right. And there's this diplomatic exchange, but at least now we're in touch with people. We're on a friendly basis. We got some eyes and ears on the ground. So in that context, once we outlawed the gain of function research, right, they mm -hmm. decided, well, let's make sure that this gets over and it'll be a cooperative thing with China. And at least, you know, we have one one eye on what they're doing because we're kind of doing it with them, essentially. Okay. So that was what happened. So, yeah. Okay. So we were supporting this, you know, Ralph Barrick from the University of North Carolina and these other people, the gain of function research, we basically outsourced that, but it was all with an eye on kind of keeping an eye on things. And in any case, at the same time as we're working on possible bioweapons, in the background, of course, there's the antidote to the bioweapons, <laughs> which would be the vaccine, ideally. So they, they were working on that. And right. That's the, the backstory. Yeah. Okay, I haven't mm -hmm. heard Dr. Malone speak on that. Yeah, okay. if you listen to my episodes, either two or three, I ask him that question point okay. blank. Yeah, he answers that. Okay. 
Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Jason, I was actually going to privately message you to ask you to please write a book this year because I want to learn more. And then I heard, I saw a recent note that you're doing that. <laughs> so if you don't mind uh, sharing your, your next uh, two or three months, what you, what you've got on your plate. Um, yeah, I'm returning. I mean, I, I had to leave Europe cause I overstayed my, I was just on the border of my three month stay. So I came back to spend Christmas with the family here in Cornwall, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I have a condo in Mexico and Puerto Varda, so I'm going to go down there. I speak in, I speak, I'm, I'm hosting students and coaches from my school. They come down every year and we all do some fun things. I do speak at the Greater Reset uh, in January, which is sort of an independent freedom conference in Morelia, Mexico. And then the International uh, COVID or Crisis Summit Group is getting back together to do another talk. I can't say where it's going to be, but this is going to be the uh, the big one. This will be if if it comes together, it's going to be a very big okay. one where we're going to, you know, try and knock it out of the park and try and knock some of those bowling pins down finally, where people can get comfortable with exactly what's going on here in the world. We we have to mobilize our forces because this ancient group is infiltrated and uh taken over uh, you know a lot of a lot of our formerly trusted institutions we're in big trouble evil had a head start but we're certainly catching up right now it's going to be a race to the finish line fantastic well thank you both i'm happy to 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 facilitate this conversation i i i got a lot out of it as always i hope i hope you did and i hope the audience does and all of the links and um bios and profiles and everything will be on the podcast page thanks Thanks, gentlemen let's keep in touch and keep keep getting the word out keep raising the awareness thanks dr (laughs) in every way we can i'll i'll reach out to you dr turner (laughs) send you some some presentations that'll be pretty entertaining to watch oh absolutely please do uh we'll gladly delve into it 100 percent and uh especially towards changing behavior, towards coaching, health and wellness. You know, I will appreciate your insight on that. That'll be great. Absolutely. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dustin. Yeah. Thank you both, gentlemen. Of course. Great to know you. Glad to be here. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely.
yourself to the limit of your soul. 